Hey, 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 how's it going? How you doing? How's it going out there? It's your boy, Mr. Clark, with the After School Spectacular. I'm, uh, spitting like Dracula, coming back at ya. <laughs> nah, but, um, seriously, I, uh, I recorded this special. It's a, uh, it's about coaching because, uh, I'm not only a teacher, but also a coach coach baseball, football, and wrestling. And the person I'm interviewing and I'm uh, talking to is going to be someone who not only was my assistant coach for me, but also someone I was assistant coach for when we were doing wrestling. And um, he's a great friend, one of my best friends, one of the coolest guys I know. So I'm really excited for you guys to get to know him and hear what he has to say. Thank you, and uh, without further ado, here we go. All right, it's recording. What's up, man? How's it going? You know, just another wonderful Friday being a teacher. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, the, the theme of this podcast, it's the, the after school spectacular. Uh, I wanted to call it after school special, but somebody already took that one. There's actual school doing it. <laughs> uh, Go figure. I'll let them have it. <laughs> Since, you know, all, all my guests are pretty much going to be teachers, or if it's just my friends, we're going to talk about school. It's always a school-based thing. Um, and I, I think we're more than special. I think we're spectacular. So that's something I want to, you know, emphasize with the name. Um, as far as, um, you know, topics, last time we talked about, like, um, the worst teacher you ever had, right? And we also talked about the best teacher you ever had. Uh-huh. Um, you're not just a teacher, man. You're also a coach. And you're not just a coach. You weren't just a student. You were also an athlete. And so I think you're a very unique guest for this uh, topic. And since football season's starting up, and I know you've, you've coached football, wrestling, girls football, baseball, um, and, you know, you, you've done every, you, you're a very uh good guest for this subject you're the best guy i could think of when i'm talking about funny stories from being a coach funny stories from being a player funny stories from being a student funny stories from being a teacher anything you want to share man uh the floor is yours this is my guest one of my best friends my son's godfather <laughs> mr paul queen mr right, <laughs> and that wasn't me that wasn't me that wasn't me um a pleasure being here pleasure being on the show um i guess i'll start with a horror story actually uh from back when i was an athlete so well still athlete but back when i was in high school so i uh i was on the wrestling team and this had to have been my sophomore junior year, but I was actually starting to come into my own. I passed the whole developmental stage as far as just, you know, getting used to wrestling. Now I was actually becoming more proficient and I was starting to win and I was starting to be recognized at tournament level and things like that and being able to really compete with these top guys and, uh, you know, get my name out there. Yeah. But my coach, my coach, 
was one of the meanest SOPs that I've ever met in life. And you know, <laughs> drunk, I mean, and I, and I, it's true. He was mean and surly. He was very mean and very surly. He was the uh, custodian. And uh, he was also the wrestling coach. He was a custodian and wrestling coach. Yeah, so maybe he just had, you know, a lot of crap on his mind. <laughs> then you look the mass in the in the cafeteria. <laughs> Enjoy these bear claws, man. <laughs> ah, but it just he, he never liked me, you know. But growing up, you know, as a you know black kid, you know, you were taught that you know people were hard on you because they wanted you to be better, they wanted you to do better. But they forgot to tell you the other part. Some people were just jerks, like real honorary douchebags. And it they didn't do things and say things that make you better because they wanted to make you suffer. They were just bad people. Oh like, yeah, like legitimately bad people. So it, it takes me back to this one day. Uh, we used to do uh, pretty much like a round robin. Uh, if you got in trouble, you would have to pretty much do a round robin. What do you mean and, by round robin? What do you mean? So what I mean by that is, at this time we had probably about maybe about 13, 14 guys on the wrestling team, you know, including the alternates and everything. I was wrestling at 189 pounds uh, for tournaments. Matter of fact, it had been my sophomore year because okay. the 215 weight class, weight class hadn't even been established outside of tournaments. It was only an actual weight class in tournaments. So this was my sophomore year. So I was only 189 pounds, you okay. know, 15, 16 years old. Here's this grown man, maybe about late 30s, early 40s, but look to a T, just no body fat. And uh, he gets angry because I guess I was laughing. I cracked jokes in practice, but I worked hard. And he puts me into a round robin. And so the round robin, you have to wrestle against every single person on the team. Oh, wow. Back to back. And it's not just like, oh, you wrestle and then someone gets pinned and it's over. It's like, oh, the coach can be like, get up, go again against the same person. It's not over till I say it's over. And he kind of wants the team to inflict pain on you. So I was 189. I started at the smallest weight class. I think we had a, like a 112 pedal, 113. So that was pretty easy. Even though he was a senior, that was easy. And then, you know, I start climbing up the ranks. So I'm getting tired because wrestling is just one of the most exhausting things you can do outside of swimming. So I, I you know, you, 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 you know, we coach together. You see people wrestle. It's a very, very exhausting thing to do. I mean, you, you said outside of swimming. People go swimming for fun. Swimming is a relaxing thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I know, I know swimming work. I know swimming will, will tear you up. You swim, you know, laps and all, but. I don't know anyone that really wrestles for fun. I mean, I guess when you're a little kid, you do, but not like, not like with headgear, not with, yeah. you know, uh, the singlet, you know, you're not, you're not getting in the circle, uh, wearing the shoes, but um, no, no, but I mean, I mean, you know, sidetrack. No, no, no. I, I definitely hear you on that. Like wrestling is, a, wrestling is like just a tough all around sport. And the smell, the smell. those kids stink. <laughs> That's something I didn't know. The whole gym stink. I was, I was one. I was like, hey, you get I'm gonna be able to, to have wrestling. Yeah, 
Yeah, I guess you do get used to it, but they're not going to have like, – that's one sport where it's like during COVID, you know, they're saying we might be able to have baseball, maybe football. There's no way they can have wrestling. Those oh, you can't sweating do wrestling. all over each other. You're, you're, you're neck and neck. You're, you're, all your germs are on that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys are swapping <laughs> everything. It's, like, it's, my germs is on everything. Yeah, it's you are you, whatever he has, you had. If he had strep throat, you probably got it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he got just, Mondo. You got, of fact, yeah. that's the first time. That's how I got Mondo for the first time from a wrestling tournament. Man. Crazy. Yeah. So I so I get to be about the fifth or sixth guy. I'm 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 tired, but I'm still yeah. going. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. Then I finally get to the last person. You know, this is the senior. He's the captain of the team. It's our heavyweight, Big Bruce, 275 pounds. Just see your weight coming at me. Or junior weight at this time, sorry, junior. Just big, big, big. So I'm wrestling him, and I'm tired, and I'm fighting through, and I'm just trying to survive long enough to get some energy back to try to pin. Finally get the pin. My coach gets so angry because I've just made it through the scene. Get your fat ASS back in there, queen. Get back in there. Mind you, I am literally dying, gasping for air. I've been wrestling for maybe about 30 minutes or so now. I am tired. No breaks, no water. Like, get back in there. So he takes off his shirt like, oh, I mean, he probably didn't rip it off, but he took his shirt off. All right, he had his white beard. Like he just looked like one of those guys that used to get children. Like he, he just looked like he go and punch a kid before he get you know to his house. He's like, I gotta punch a kid on my way home. That's the only reason I drove to my house. And so he comes, and we just we square up, we lock up, go back and forth, and then I just go down. I said, screw it, I'm not in here trying to prove nothing. I go belly down. So belly down is where you lay flat on your stomach and have your arms out so they can only get points for a takedown. They can only get two points. As long as they don't turn you over and take you, your belly down. I'm tired. I don't care. I have nothing left to prove to him. You are a grown man trying to wrestle me after I just went through about 13, 14 people. Screw you. So I go belly down. He starts to get angry and upset. So then he uh, starts to take his forearm and smash it into the back of my neck. He tries to <laughs> kick like straight UFC, like we're in a cage fight. Now, so I, I was what I did... Assistant coach, but I, I don't remember that being uh, within the regulations. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. See, this is the worst thing about it, you know? He's the coach, the referee... That's why you have three branches of government, because it's supposed to be checks and balances. We didn't have that in the wrestling room, okay? There was no checks and balances. There was him, and there was him, okay? You, you about to check how he balanced that asshole. <laughs> Pretty much. But, again, I was not – I don't care how bad it was actually hurting. I was not giving him the satisfaction of knowing that I felt pain. So – what I did was I tucked my, I, I got up on all fours, I tucked my head down so he could no longer jam the forearm. He kept missing. He got increasingly more upset. So then he tries to do a move called the cross face. Now, 
The crossface is a move. When the WWF take, crossface? Well, well, no. There's a there's a legal crossface in wrestling. Okay. Similar to WWF. But I you talking about the Crippler crossface, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you take the palm of your head and you run it across uh, from one side to the other side of the person's face and have to grab their shoulder for it to be legal. Okay. He didn't care nothing about my shoulder. It brings me back to baby's kid. I want to do what I want to, what I want to, what I want. And that's what it was like. So what I did was, again, I grabbed his wrist with both my hands and put it over my head. So now we're at like a stalemate. He's getting increasingly upset. He's like, you're not going to fight back. I said, I'm good. He's like, uh, he's struggling and struggling, and all his man strength is no comparison to the fact that I won't give him satisfaction. So then he just gets uh, angry upset. and upset, and then he's like, he's just on top of me. So I was like, he tries to get me in a different move, and I call for my teammate. I was like, throw me the water bottle. <laughs> he's like, what? I said, Will be the water bottle. It was really on some WWE stuff at that point in time. Like utter disrespect. He's like, you better not throw it. Throw me the water bottle. They roll me the water bottle. And as he has me in this move, I start drinking water. And he, <laughs> the level of pistosity that elevated, he got up and then he just started to try to tackle me. He was just very upset at this point in time. I honestly thought you were going to say you dumped water on his face to get him off of you. No, but no, no. <laughs> your move is almost more disrespectful. The fact yeah. that he's going this move, trying to hurt me, exactly. trying to grind in it, and I'm casually drinking water while yeah. he's using all his strength to try to hurt That's me. almost more disrespectful. That's like if you get in a fight, instead of punching someone, you smack them. Like the, the smack exactly. causes less physical pain. But emotional, it's off the scale. Like, you're pretty exactly. much like, I'm it's just mad disrespectful. Psyche. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He over here playing checkers, and I'm playing chess. <laughs> so then he lets me up. He keeps trying to uh, tackle me. So then finally, I think I've got some energy back by this point in time, because I've pretty much just been waiting while he's exerting all this energy. And he comes to try to tackle me, and I shoot in. So well, shooting in is pretty much where you drop towards your knee, and you go at the bottom of them to try to take them down. But I shot in just at one of his legs. I got it, I lifted, and I twist. And I dislocated his knee. Oh, wow. I, had, I think I know a little bit about that move. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've had a knee dislocated against my will a couple times. but <laughs> Sidekick. <laughs> but, uh, but no, no, no. We'll say that for another podcast. But um, one thing I wanted to say, though, once you explained what a round robin was, where you have to wrestle everyone back to back, I seem to remember as a coach, you did a round robin against the whole wrestling team. <laughs> yes, I did. I definitely did. Because, but see, listen, it was only about eight of them. They didn't know that I wrestled against 13, 14 people and then a grown man on top of it. Yeah, I mean, again, that's true. But when you yeah, say it was yeah, a punishment, it's like you punish yourself. Yeah, he made me do it as a as a student athlete, which was just wrong on so many levels, you know. And I'll say this: that uh, 
maybe when I became a wrestling coach, it made me look at my kids, you know, my players, again, that I look at my kids so much differently. And, you know, I wanted to make sure I took care of them. Did I want to make sure they were tough? Did I put them through the ringer and make them do stuff? Yes. But everything that I did, I did out of love. I never used any illegal moves when I was, uh, if I had to issue uh, punishment or anything like that. I never used my body weight against them when I wrestled with them because I wanted it always to be a fair contest. You know, I never wanted them to feel just so little or to me to feel like, oh, I'm a grown man beating up on a kid because it's pointless. You know, I did learn that lesson from him because, you know, you can learn things from people whether they're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. In, in that case, he was definitely doing the wrong thing. You know, he he always called me fat. He always put me down again. I thought it was always trying to build me up, but he just never liked me. He even when I uh took second place in a county tournament, he didn't want to make me the captain my junior year. He didn't want me to be a captain my senior year. I mean, I, yes. I, I, I got it both times because people, you know, the rest of the team voted and they just, you know, felt that's what it was. But everything that people do is not going is not there to build you up. But you can find a way to build yourself up from anything that happens in your life. I think when me and you coached that first year together with the, the baseball team, we probably shouldn't have made those kids captains. Like, <laughs> we, they, they see, because we, we didn't know them. That's the thing. When you, when you coach kids from your own school, you know those kids as students, you know, so you can kind of judge how they'll be as athletes, especially in a, in a leadership role. Neither one of us taught those kids because it was from six different schools. So we just, we kind of, we went by who was the best athlete. And that's yeah. not always who would be the best captain, you know? Um, when you were a, when you did become captain, what qualities do you think were um, positive And what qualities do you think you had that were maybe negative as far as a team captain? So I'll say, <clears throat> I'll start with the negative. Uh, one. I was not experienced uh, as a captain. You know, when when you go for when you go for a job, you don't know how to do that job because you've never done that job. You know, you have the you know when you when you get put into a situation, a lot of times it's people that have the potential to be great at it. I so mean, when I, I became a captain, my first year. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to get. I had no idea what I was doing. I just those kids had no coach. And they knew I had no kids. They knew I had no girlfriend. They knew I was done with school. So they're like, you ain't got nothing to do. Coach our team. And I was like, no. And then I found out there was procession involved. And I said, all right, <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out. And I, I mean, I've watched baseball. So I figured it was the easiest sport to coach. Because like, what, what do you do? You're not, you don't have to call plays like football and basketball. You just, you know, they, they go up to bat, you know, or they're in the field. It's, it's all on them. And boy, was I wrong. That was such a hard – it was so much harder than that. There's so much more to coaching baseball than to just making a lineup. But I'll let you continue. My bad. No, no, no. It, it, it definitely was. I feel like we both learned a lot that first year coaching because that was my also first year officially, you know, coaching a team. I've helped out with some stuff before, but officially being any type of actual role, like assistant coach, that was my first year also. So – you know, I feel like we both learned a lot together. 
you learned it. Definitely respected you more though. I I was more the <laughs> I was more just the you know I had the certification, but you had the the knowledge. And they call I remember they called you Mean Mister Queen, and uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't you know I couldn't control them sometimes. But that was also your first year teaching, so I I couldn't imagine coaching in my first year teaching and having night school. That was I don't know how you did it. I mean. And I had a kid. What man? It's, it's, it's because you, when you have a passion for things, you make time for it. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's that's what it really boiled down to. Because you know, I really I love teaching. I do. If they stop paying me tomorrow, I would not be a teacher. But I yeah. do love teaching. I love the kids. I love coaching. You know, I really develop those strong bonds with the kids, and I'm going and I know what it takes to get the best out of them. You know, I know how far to push, and I know when I need to pull back because you can break the kid, but that's not my job. I'm not there to break them down and build them up. I'm just there to build them up. That goes with teaching and coaching, definitely. Yeah. Um, oh, you know. I, I was saying on the, the last podcast with my brother-in-law, um, now he had been teaching for like 15 years, and I'm on my fifth year, but I still feel like I, I can look back at teachers I had and um, understand, like I, I, now that I have that same profession, I can judge them from a professional standpoint. And I could say like, there's some teachers I had that were just mean and nasty for no reason. And there's stuff that's like, I, strategically doesn't do much as a teacher. Like I had a teacher that would cold call on me all the time, right? Now, I get it. You could use that to catch a kid if they're not paying attention. But the point that was always, you know, stressed to us in grad school was like, you want to cold call a kid either because they know the answer. So you want them to like get some confidence build and, uh, or because a lot of kids miss the answers. You're calling on one of them to kind of single that out. You're just being a, you know, a bully to cold call a kid. You know, he's wrong. And, uh, no one else got it right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I guess you could catch them not paying attention, but like, they don't tell you to do that now. That's not something we learned in, in grad school. Um, but back to the point though. Uh, so I want you to now say something that was positive about you being a captain. And then we're going to go to what's something you can look back on now that you've been a coach and kind of judge. Go ahead. So <clears throat> something that was positive about me being a captain was I was always, in a big brother role. You know, I, I didn't have a brother or sister for a long time, but I had cousins. I was the oldest boy cousin, and we were all raised like brothers and sisters. So okay. when I took the captain role, if something went down, I would take the blame. You know, right, wrong, and different, whether I had something to do with it or not. And, you know, I would have conversations, and I would deal with the players, you know, with my fellow teammates afterwards. But when coach came around, you know, I took that, you know. So as a captain, I feel like that's one of the biggest things. Like they talk about, you know, the captain always goes down with the ship. You know, that's one of the biggest things. Not can you rah-rah, hoo-rah. It's nice to be able to rile people up. But when stuff hits the fan and things are going bad, can you step up and take that for your teammates who might not be able to handle, you know, that lat tongue lash or whatever's about to come? So I would say that's one of my uh, most positive traits as a captain. And 
You said something positive about being a coach? Uh, uh, no, I was saying so, like how I, I could look back now that I've been a teacher and look back at my old teachers and say like, that made no sense. You know, now that I have a professional experience with that, now that you have a professional experience with, uh, this goes for teaching or coaching, what's something that you can look back at someone who was uh, one of your teachers or one of your coaches and be like, well, that I would have done differently now that I have the experience. Uh, I'll say one thing, uh, one thing that I do differently now is if someone's acting out, I try to, because of what happened, stuff that happened to me, I try to find out what's wrong. I try to have a conversation with the person first to figure it out because it's not always a kid just, you know, goofing off just to be goofing off. I used to get straight A's in the first grade, but I got put on, I had to sit on the stage while everybody else ate in the cafeteria. I was on the stage for everybody to look at. I had to eat lunch by myself with my little lunch tray on my lap. And that yeah, was like, like that's like that's like something like you know looking back that's really crazy. I'm about to so say, to a child yeah. that's in the first grade, I literally yeah get my lunch and my teacher made me sit on the stage and put my lunch tray on my lap and eat my lunch on the stage step, not in the chair or anything, just sitting on the step while other kids ate at the tables and just looked at me. That's some so, that's some like psychological issues like PTSD could develop from like. Um, Definitely, man. That's that's so like the stuff they did to us was so cruel. <laughs> I'm gonna let you continue. My bad. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, it's it's real, you know. Um, uh, but when I look at kids now, it, it makes me I I have a bigger heart for the troubled kids. Like I find myself always going to try to save them or help them or do whatever I can. Like I um I taught at a suspension site for a year. Oh, yeah. You know, and about 90 or 95% of the kids that were there were either full-on in gangs or gang-affiliated because their brother or someone in the household was full-on in the gang. So I felt myself always spending extra time to talk to these kids, uh, you know, give them advice, teach them about life choices, and how it affects them later, breaking down different things as far as, like, you know, what you want to do and, like, how you get there. And just spending extra time that I didn't even get paid for with these kids because of the stuff that had happened to me. And, you know, I knew that if they just had maybe someone to be there to try to understand them and find out why they're doing this. Why are you so angry? Why do you always feel like you can fight adults? Like, I'm a big guy, so the majority of students won't be able to beat me. But if you feel like you can take me on, let's have a conversation because there's something wrong there. Like, if you feel like you can get mad and, like, you might want to really attack me, let's really talk about this. Let's not fight about it. Why do you have that mentality? Yeah, I mean, my uh, my first year, man, teaching, we had this student that was just, he was, he was, uh, he wasn't there when you were there, but this kid was nuts. Like, he was, he was very, and I don't mean nuts, you know, he he was just a very difficult student to deal with. That's the political correct term, I guess. <laughs> this kid was uh I remember we had we had our final exam, right? This wasn't the regents, but this was like one step below it. This was like you know, this will make or break you in class. He had already failed the class and he knew that, right? And so he skipped uh 
the first 15 minutes of the exam, it's, you know, class periods are like 50 minutes. He comes in late. He's, he's wearing nothing but sunglasses. Oh, no, no, he had pants on, but he had no shirt. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Yeah, he had pants on, you know, but he had, he's shirtless. He came from gym. He's shirtless. He had a basketball and sunglasses. That's it. No book bag. I don't know where any of his supplies were. Any of his, his belongings were gone. The kid showed up. Shoes, pants, sunglasses, basketball. That's all he had. He knocked on the door. I opened the door. I'm first-year teacher. Uh, my co-teacher is in the room with me. It's earth science. This kid barges in. Like, first thing, I, I didn't say anything. I didn't stop him. I let him in the room because I didn't know. What, I was in shock. I really didn't move. I was like, what? Like, all I saw was, like, this kid had no shirt. Like, it, it, it was like, I froze. And then he just walked in, and he threw the basketball to somebody. That was all it took for that test to go awry. The test was no longer valid. <laughs> the ball's getting passed from kid to kid all around the room. We're trying to imagine two teachers – and we're both uncoordinated, you know, hey, keep away. from these kids throwing the ball back and forth, man. And they play lucky in the middle with y'all. It was, it was, uh, it was the worst thing you could imagine. We finally get the ball. We get the kid out of the room, and um, I remember it was just the APs came. I'm not gonna use any names, but it's this one. <laughs> they, they Wait, did you call the parent? <laughs> <laughs> they came in, yeah. Why don't you call the parents? You know, it's like, what? Like, why is this kid roaming the halls shirtless? <laughs> you know, but like, um, yeah. Come to find out, though, like uh, through like a year later, uh, that kid was homeless or something. And it's like, all right, so he's doing all this acting out. He gets transferred to another school. He's going through all this. I have no – no one ever told me what he was going through outside of school. I just knew in school he was making everybody pay. And he, he treated school as a, a playground, and it was a, a whole just wild show, you know. Perez told me something, though, too. He said he also had a kid show up with just sunglasses on. I wanted their friends, some connection there. <laughs> no basketball, well, though, but it just – that's the look sometimes. Sunglasses, no shirt. It's how I'm going to school. It's how you go to the beach. That's how I go to history. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but no, man, it's just, it's wild. Um, so we've talked about um, you being an athlete and uh, you being a coach. But what are some stories you have maybe about being a teacher or a student? So I'll tell you what the story about being a teacher. Uh, Similar to the, you know, as I feel like as a teacher, you know certain things that will happen that will send your class to a point where you cannot get them back. Oh, yeah. And as a teacher, you know, <laughs> you, your job is to prevent these things at all costs, you know. And so... And I'll tell you right now, man, I was, I was that... I was that fuse as a student. When I was a student, I've, I've disrupted many classes. I was the worst, which I think now it's like as a teacher, teaching at the schools I've taught at, it's 100% been karma that I deal with some of the students I deal with. Um, but yeah, when I was a student, man, I, I remember just 
just completely derailing entire classes. And there's no turning around. There's no getting back on track. If you get to a certain point, you know for sure there's not going to be any homework. There's not going to be any class. There's not going to be anything. <laughs> You've disrupted it to the point that now they just like get out of the room. And then you're done. That's it. So, yeah, I get you. Keep going. So, I my first year of teaching, again, my first year, it was very eventful. I had a situation where a young lady, uh, I guess two young ladies had an issue uh, downstairs at the gym. And they're coming up, and one of the young ladies has my class the very next period, and one has the period after. I'm teaching. It's the last, like, literally 60 seconds of class, finishing up. And, you know, kids used to love to come and talk to me when they had problems they would vent. You know, I try to calm them down and work through it. So it was nothing for me to see a kid come into my room, you know, maybe towards the end of class, something like that, and say, hey, Mr. Queen, I need to talk to you real quick. So a student comes in, young lady, it was like, oh, man. And she's telling me how it just went crazy downstairs. And she's trying to calm down, not trying to fight nobody. This, that, third. I'm like, all right, wait right here. I'm going to talk to you. Let me just finish this up. Then the bell rings, and my next class comes in. Lo and behold, the person that she had the issue with is in my next class. <laughs> that person walks in. So now it's a situation, but I don't know yet. So all of a sudden, I hear, get this B out of here. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> okay, uh, hold on. Wait, no. Make me get out of here. Make me get out of here then. I was like, oh, God. Perfect storm. Changing of classes. Three-minute delay. Oh, God. I got a class in here. A class coming in. It's not looking good. So I'm like, okay. So I'm trying to separate. Then all of a sudden, crack whore comes out. You black bee. Your mother sucks. Like, it just starts to get to a point where it's like, they could really possibly fight. So, I have to kind of, I'm in the classroom, so I'm like, I grab one girl, and I pull her back, and I'm pushing the rest of the kids out. Then as the girl, like, get out. I will talk to you later. I will talk to you later. Then all of a sudden, I hear, that's why your mother is about to die. That's, that's that's a that's a thing though with like kids. What I didn't realize, like my first my first two years teaching, really, and they didn't tell us in grad school till like the end, is like they haven't developed uh, a strong sense of empathy or sympathy. So they're, they're technically like sociopaths in a way. So kids will yeah. say, if a kid knows any dirt on you. It's coming out, man. Like they're they're gonna say anything messed up they know. So, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. I, I mean, they got, they I, got I'm, real I'm very real. selective with what I tell them. You know, I don't even tell them I have a dog. They have a one bad day or they don't like their grade. I hope your dog dies of AIDS. <laughs> they're gonna come at your throat with the meanest stuff they could say. But yeah, keep, really? keep going. Yeah. So the girl who was always out the door comes back. She's trying to fight her very hard. She jumps <laughs> over the table. And then she did something. I was like, oh, no. It's about to go to a point where if this happens, me being another human being, I have to let them fight if this happens. She goes, oh. 
At that point in time, she's on the table. She just did. <laughs> we all know what that means. We yeah. all know what that means. So, she's she legitimately turned into Reggie Bush Ezekiel Elliott out there on the table trying to do juke moves and fake me out trying to hit the spit to hit the girl. So, she did juke right, juke left, juke back right, and she cocked back and went to lunge the spit at the girl. And the girl was on my left. I was about to hit her. I did some movies, save the present stuff. I jumped in. Because <laughs> oh, no. I knew if the spit hit her, I would have to let them spit because it's just only fair. Yeah. And I got caught with the spit of my shoulder like, I swear it happened in slow motion. Like, you know how they say you can't actually jump in front of a bullet and save somebody? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Especially I took that spit on the shoulder. <laughs> I took spit on the shoulder. Now, get four fast forward the story. That girl ends up fighting another girl, but I held the girl that did spit. The other girl ended up fighting her friend. They fought for about eight minutes inside my classroom while three other teachers watched. And an AP came by, the same AP with the, did you call <laughs> the parent? <laughs> that AP didn't even come in the classroom. They looked in, called school safety, they kept going about their business like it was a normal Thursday. So this is what I say as a teacher. I stepped up to be more than some of the teachers had been to me. Somehow, yeah, rather, you know, kids talk. Me. Kids talk. So the dean comes to me, hey, so, you know, fight happened, tell me what happened. I was like, well, you know, she fought her. I kept the other girl back. X, Y, and Z. Did she spit on you? Because I had my shoulder. No. No, she didn't spit on me. And you know, you like, you that? sure? I sneezed. <laughs> she was like, you like, I could they suck. You know what? No, nah, whatever happens with the fight, I can't control. She did not spit on me. She would not get in trouble for me. So Dean leaves, I go speak to the girl. And, you know, I told her, you know, I was like, I didn't tell that. So you don't say nothing about that. But, you know, again, coming to find out, the girl was homeless. The girl that spit on the other girl was homeless. She was, I already knew that she was off and on sick because she would miss weeks of school at a time. And her mom was actually sick. Like, there was a lot of things going on for her just trying to even be in school. So I didn't want to be one more thing to add to the difficulties of her life, regardless of what it happened to me. So that's actually one of the good stories of me being a teacher where I was thankful for being where I was. Because another teacher in that same situation, that girl, that girl would have been expelled. And then, like, you never know what would happen to her life. I'll tell you right now, man, my, my first year... Uh, Mr. Did You Call the Parents, same dude. Uh, I broke up a fight between this tall, goofy kid and this short, like, gangster kid. And the short kid had climbed onto one of those, uh, the long black science tables and ran down the table, jumped off the table, and was going to, like, try to, like, look, he's going to try to smack him. And the tall, goofy kid just let out this, like, push. 
and it knocks the short kid, the short gangster kid, falling backwards like the Matrix, man. And I just jumped in like midair and caught that kid like a baby. It was just holding <laughs> him in my arms. And I like landed on the ground and then he started flipping out. I set his little gangster butt down and took him out front. But did you call the parents showed up? And he he said to me, he's like, he's like, well, <laughs> you, know, you, sh- you shouldn't be breaking up fights. Like he got like, you know, you shouldn't be breaking up fights. And then he was like, but that was the best catch of he's like, that was a hell of a catch. <laughs> like I, I thought so too. So I, I thought I was gonna get in trouble, but he was like, that was a hell of a catch. And I, but yeah, man, I mean, I would catch a kid from falling because he could have hit his head on one of them tables and you know, broke a neck. Billion dollar baby. But I'm not stopping spit. <laughs> Loogie's coming. I'm pushing the kid. I would have grabbed him and held him up like a like Captain America shield <laughs> to defend myself from getting hit from a loogie, man. I ain't getting no loogie to the face. Flim? Uh-uh, no. Because I would lose my whole license for some phlegm to the face, man. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm man. Transitional license, initial certification professional. They're all going out the window if I get hit with a loogie. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the big show and just Andre the Giant chokeslamming kid. If I get a loogie to the face, man, that's something I couldn't live down. That's Because you they don't let, like, let me explain something, man. One time I needed a haircut, and I couldn't get one, so I had to cut my own hair. I messed it up. I, I took the, I took a sick day. I got, I called in that night. I don't know how I'm not feeling. I don't think I'll be able to make it in the morning. I got a haircut first thing in the morning. I had him fix it, because I know you can't show. You can't lose anything. You show up to to school uh, with jacked up hairline, like you now cannot teach your lesson. Anyways, you might as well call off, come in late or something. Get yourself right. Don't come in. <laughs> I mean, there was a time I, uh, I I don't remember what I ate the night before, but maybe some Indian food and just heavy drinking during the weekend. But it was like a Monday start of the week. I used to walk, walk to work, man. And it, it's about a 25 minute walk. And I was about 20 minutes in, and I just felt something like rumble. And oh, man. I went to fart, and I had to, I had to, I was like, yeah, I gotta go home. But then I, I couldn't go back home. I'm by the gym that I have a membership for, which honestly, I wasn't even going to the gym. This is before COVID, I just wasn't going. So I, I go in the gym, I, you know, they scan my little key tag thing. I go in the bathroom. I had to throw up my drawers, man. Like, <laughs> rinse off in the shower real quick. Hit one of them courtesy towels. Boom, boom. I grab my pants. I still got there before you. <laughs> Never told anyone about that. Just had to bed, dude. I still caught first, second, third, the whole time. Commando, you know. <laughs> the, whole, the whole day. Got the hell out of there. Went on, you know. <laughs> Cause you can't, you gotta come to school correct. You really do, you man. I, I, I think back to me as a student. Now, for the most part, I was a pretty good kid. You know, I talk sometimes, but for the most part, I was a good kid. But I can, I would always find myself in situations with teachers who just had it out for me. I remember two times in particular. I'm gonna go through it quick. One time in high school. My best friend was white in high school. I had a science teacher who was very racist. This is in Maryland. In Maryland. Her name was Dr. Martoff. She was 60 with a hump on her back 
and she just looked angry at being old and ugly. And she, you know how sometimes the people get a little white thing on their lip that like streaks down? Yeah. She would always have that. And just permanently, so, just like yeah, just per- it's just it's like yeah. she would never like take a doctor and wipe it. It's just terrible. So this one day in class, it's like just like spit or something just built yeah, up and crusted over. But this one day in class, everybody's yelling, talking, whatever. And I know she don't like me, right? So I'm the only kid legitimately at my desk with my hands folded, sitting looking straight. My man Kyle is like, yo, Paul, da, 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 da. I'm looking straight, I can't talk to you. You know she'll like me. He keeps talking. Everybody else is yelling, screaming too. She's losing control of the class. She's like, Mr. Queen, stand up. Stand up. I was like, what? Move your seat over there. I was like, why? Because you were talking. My friend Kyle gets up and says, uh, Dr. Baltoff, he actually wasn't talking. It was me. I'll move my seat because he wasn't talking. Was I talking to you? I'm talking to him, that boy right there. And I felt like it was a racial undertone. But Needless to say, I refuse to move my seat. She's like, I'm going to call your mother. What she did know is my mother's a strong woman, and she had been waiting to tax that behind. I was like, oh, you going to call my mother? You going to call my mother? I walked to the front of the classroom. I picked up the phone and dialed the phone number. And I was like, here, talk to her. I don't back up hell. You want to have a conversation? She started crying. Call, call security. Man, that was the proudest moment. <laughs> but I was not in the total wrong because I was not talking and she was wrong. I, I did like being singled out. I guess, you know, that's what happens when you put a first grader on the stage to eat lunch by themselves on the step. <laughs> everybody else looks at them, you know, for months at a time. I, I guess that was some type of psychological PTSD that kind of happens. And hold on, let me tell you this one last one. So I uh I was in college. An older black lady who looked like she was straight out of movie roots. She was my professor. And I'm in class, and it's a it's a little elective BS class. So I'm in class, and again, kids start talking. And this kid next to me starts talking, asking me questions and stuff. And I was like, not today. Hold my hands together, just look forward. I'm not gonna be in it. But the way it was, we were like staggered, like going upwards. She's oh, yeah, short, yeah, so she yeah. can't see. So she just hears talking. Who is that? Who is that? Mr. Queen? <laughs> I was like, yes, stand up. I, I legitimately had another flashback PTSD. I stood up, move your seat. Why do I need to move my seat? I'm not talking. It's this person. I'm not even holding cards. She was like, and we go back and forth sometimes. She's like, step outside the classroom and I'll talk to you. Mind you, we have a midterm coming up the next class. Or like a class or two. And so I was like, but you about to go over the midterm. What's going to be on it? She's like, I will talk to you. So I, I was like, hold on, this is crazy. I stepped outside. I tried to do it better this time. I stepped outside. She starts going over what's going to be on the midterm. I come back in class. I told you, go. Long story short, she called she called the police. Wow. So I got detained for like an hour. <laughs> and 
Yeah, I got in the tape for an hour. I never got in trouble after high school. In college, I always was pretty good. And there was one time, though, where uh, we're meeting, like, the teacher's going over. It's like, it's the first day of school. And I think it might have been my first day of college, honestly. And one of them, because I had, like, Monday, Wednesday classes. I had Tuesday, Thursday classes. It was one of them. It was either Monday or Tuesday, one of them. And we're in class, right? And uh, it's me and this kid who, like, we didn't know each other, but we knew the same people. Right, so we're sitting near each other, and he's like, "Oh, I know you from so and so," and I was like, "All right, yeah, I know them," you know. So we're chilling, and teacher's going over attendance. And Anthony Clark, I said, "Boom!" You know, raise my hand. Other kid, boom, 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 raise his hand. Right. Uh, and this girl, I don't remember her last name, but I remember her first name. So it's something like, you know, Pepsi Miller. I don't know, Pepsi. <laughs> and this, this kid, he, he was just like. He was like, like Pepsi. Like, like, I thought it. I thought it. I was like, Pepsi. But he said it. He was like, Pepsi? Your name is Pepsi? He's like, who's your dad? Dr. Pepper? <laughs> and then someone else is like, no, nah, man, it's Mr. Pibb. Everyone is laughing at this kid. Where are you from? Mountain Dew? <laughs> Everyone's just, just cracking jokes on this kid, man. Someone just randomly yells like, Fanta! You know? <laughs> it just, it was, everyone was looking for this kid. She walked out of the room like no one. She didn't say here. She just said bye. She just walked the hell out. Never came back. Never. She never came. I remember, and I thought about it, like this girl ruined. You know, her college career is ruined. Like you can't name a kid something like that, man. Come on. And I've had some kids with some absurd names, you know, and evolved. Yeah, just crazy. <laughs> names and they name these kids these like outlandish names. Please, like I hope no one in the world will name their kids something that goofy again. Cause it's she never came back to class. I remember that now. She never came back. Pepsi Miller, whatever her name is, she's gone. Uh but yeah, man, it's it's been it's just crazy. Though to me, you know. There's always a, um, a mistake teachers make, I think, with not knowing their students, you know? And like, I mean, I, I'm as much guilty of it as a teacher as I was a victim of it as a student, you know? Uh, you gotta just read the room, you know? Um, I mean, when I was a kid, what, the thing I got in trouble for the most was mostly like I always wanted to have the laugh and that's probably why I, I did comedy when I was in college was because like I like making people laugh so e even when I was a little kid my mom would say something like like you know she'd yell at all four of us me and my brother and sisters and just be like don't say another word and if you say something else you're grounded and they would all look at me and I would be like, something else. And then, <laughs> boom, I just get I'll get in trouble, but it was funny. I got, they all would laugh and it was worth that if I had to stay inside for the weekend or whatever, because I got that laugh, that laugh was worth it. Um, and as a student, it was the same thing. The teacher would say, you know, don't talk during the test, you get detention. And I would just make like a fart noise or something. And then it was funny and I got detention, but it was worth it. But like, what that really came down to was like, I just wanted people to like me, I think, you know? And um, 
I never did that kind of behavior in a class where I had a good relationship with the teacher, you know? Um, I said this on the last podcast, I was talking about like how when, when you like the teacher, that's when you're mean to the sub. When you don't like the teacher, you're always nice to the sub. The sub has it the easiest in a class where everyone hates that teacher. I've had to cover rooms, you know, do a coverage for someone who's absent. And when you sub a class, you're doing that coverage, man. You can tell the kids, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be straight up with you. They'll either say like, man, I miss so-and-so. Or they'll be like, I'm happy you're here because I can't stand them. You know, and, it's, and then they yeah. just start going on a list of stuff. Yeah, All they do is this. Honest. Some of it's always some, some stuff that is like outside the teacher's control, you know. Um, or it's like something they that... They reported me because I had a beefy class. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that teacher smells like onions. And it's like, all right. I can't understand what they're saying. They got an accent. It's like, whatever. But if it's like, man, that teacher's just a complete, you know, asshole, and they yell at us all the time. Like, whoa, okay, well, um, well what, what is that? You know, and then even then, sometimes the kids are kind of, their perspective's kind of worse. Sometimes they embellish yeah. the story. Do you think with you, the kids, uh, I mean, in my perspective, kids always loved you more than me, but uh, with you, how do you think uh, you're received by kids, by students? Uh, <clears throat> so I'll say this. I feel like for the majority of them, again, you always have a couple that you're just not going to gel with, but for the majority of students, I feel like uh, they grow to love uh, a lot of them grow to look at me as a father figure or uncle or just someone that they can confide in, like a counselor, a therapist. And I think it's because I learned a long time ago that I couldn't fake being somebody else. Hell no. I may be able to change how I speak to you so that you can receive a message better, but I can't change who I am. So I'm always 100% authentically myself. You know, I'm the guy who comes in jeans and a t-shirt with stuff on it, like leg day, you know, or different different things. I'm the person who will tell you about, you know, I have a family, things like that. Because all I really do is give kids respect. They don't have to earn my respect first. I give, Sorry, I give them my respect first. You know, and then I tell them that I expect the same in return. You know, regardless of who's hurt you in the past, who's going to hurt you in the future, that is a part of life. I'm very upfront honest. I said, you are going to suffer in life. And depending on what you look like, you will suffer more than others. But you have to always prepare yourself and be ready for those few opportunities that you have so that when they come along, you can take advantage. And I feel like they respect me for not sugarcoating the truth and not sugarcoating what the world is. Like, you only get to play cute for so many years before they're like, no, this is who this person is. This is a douchebag. This is who they're going to be when they grow up. So I feel like they respect that. They respect the fact that I'm tough but fair. You know, I, I give I give the students leeway based on the individual student. Some students can't get away with daily squat. Some students have actual issues and I have to give more leeway and I take more stuff from them than I would from others. So I feel like 
they sense the genuineness and it just makes it work out. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I mean, I remember like I got some weird advice and I gave it to another teacher and they, and it worked for me, but it got them in trouble. And because of just a, a small misconception here, here was it. So they, the advice I got was to, be yourself. And, they, and this is from a, a veteran teacher. And they said, yeah, man, just be yourself. Um, you can curse in front of the kids. And I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> Wait, oh, God. It wasn't I tell, so I tell someone else that. I was like, yeah, man, you can curse in front of the kids. And this teacher curses the kid out, which is not at all what I said. I'm saying you could say something like, man, you know, uh, I forget exactly how, how it would have went, but it was something like, you know, I don't know what the hell was going on. What are you guys doing? You know, stop, stop messing around. This person took that same advice and was like, you know, shut the fuck up or something to a kid. I don't know what they said, but they went, they went, kept their heart with it. Yeah, they went, they went, they went the wrong direction with it. They, I said, they, shut your hot yeah. day, mother. Yeah, 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 and you know, to this day, I don't do that. Um, I made a mistake my first couple of years listening to someone who gave bad advice, but a lot, a lot that's the thing, like uh, a, lot, a lot of like ATRs, man, that were taught 20 years ago and they're back as subs and they, they're telling, you know, new teachers what to do. Advice from the nineties might not really work as much now. Some of it will, some of it won't. Um, either way, that, that was a bad piece of advice. And, um, yeah, I just think, you know, you got you got to be yourself, but you also got to try to be, I, that's, that's another thing. Like, I always wear a tie to work. Oh, you worked with me. I always had a tie. Uh-huh. And um, teachers would say, oh, don't, don't wear a tie in front of the kids. I said, why not? Especially as a person of color, I'm going to wear a tie. And I, I want to, I take my job seriously. Um, as a comic book fan, when I put on the tie, you know, it makes me feel like my putting on like my cape or something like I'm, I'm getting suited up you know to go do my duty you know so when these when when they said oh, don't wear a tie you know I, I'm, I didn't understand why and they were like a kid could choke you by the tie I said well you know I'm six feet tall I'm 250 no kid's gonna choke me I don't care if I got a noose on my neck <laughs> they choke me <laughs> I dare someone to try to choke me that's not gonna happen um that's the first thing. Second thing is I want to look professional in front of them. And I, I try to kind of have a persona that is professional in front of them. I never curse in front of kids now. Um, what is something you do? So, I mean, I know you just said that you, you kind of are the same person. But is there anything you do differently in front of the kids um, than you would do, you know, with, with your friends, with your boys, with your family? So I, I pull jokes that I make at a certain point. So the jokes that I make with kids are rated G, PG-13 at best. Okay, I get you. You know, like, I, I, I definitely dub down the jokes and, you know, the metaphors that I use with kids are all PG-13 because if you give any student a window that it could be construed as something dirty, they're going to speak on it. Any chance 100%. that you give them, 
So I, I definitely take that back so that they don't uh, get lost in just being a child, you know? Like, I, oh, the, the teacher said, oh, it's getting big. Oh, man. There they are. Yeah, bet it is. You know, you, you just, you don't want to give them an unnecessary opportunity to do something that will get them in trouble. 100%. I mean, I, I did that. I kind of played this a thin line where if you, if you get it right in the right spot, you can say something that's kind of almost dirty, but not, and it'll, 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 it'll stick with them because it's like a bad word, but it's not. Like, for instance, density, right? Uh, D equals M over V. If you write it on the board, the M over V looks like a heart. So D equals heart. So then I say, like, that means I love the D. And they all start laughing at me and, like, oh, he's gay. But they'll remember density is mass over volume. You keep drawing it like that every day, make the same stupid joke every day. They can joke about it. And you, you pretend you don't know what they're saying. There's something you can do with that. Or uh, there's one we do with, um, like, the Bronx, the, the rock in the Bronx is called nice, but it's spelled with a G. And uh, the rock, the bedrock in Manhattan is schist. It sounds like shit, yeah. right? So, uh, so I'll say, like, the Bronx is a nice place, and Manhattan is a schist place. And then they'll start laughing. But they might remember that, you know? Yeah. Or I have another one of, uh, you know, uh, in, in space, stars that are moving away from us, it's called the red shift, right? Uh -huh. So I'll say red shift, it's going away. Um, instead of uh, the red shit, you know, which you get if you eat Chipotle, you know, <laughs> they might they might remember. You know, there's little stuff like that I, I do. They might remember here. Little corny jokes, and they're always like, "You're corny, you're stupid." But it'll be on a test, and they're like, "Oh man, you know, he said this." You know, and they'll try to remember. And, uh, hopefully, you know, that they get it on a quiz or something. One of my one of my main things that I like to do with kids is this because I feel like too often teachers go too soft on students, they're like, oh, well, they come from bad homes, so I can't do X, Y, and Z, or you need to be so easy. No, I give them really tough classwork. Like, their classwork might be, like, super tough. Like, when you talk about rigor, like, the problems are hard. But I always tell them, I give you this because I want to expose you to it, but your quiz, your test, your assessment is always far easier than the classwork. So if you can struggle through and start to get through the classwork, then you will ace the test. So I give them the hard stuff during class. So I'm like, yes, this might be a little bit above, but it's still useful. And then when you come to take the quiz, it's so much easier. I try I try to prepare them for everything that I possibly can. You know, oh, a lot of times with the kids, you get a, you get a year. And you never know. That might be one of the most important years. That might be a turnaround year for a kid. You just never know. So I try to impart everything that I possibly can in our time. Yeah, from like the first, you know, first day of school, I'm always given like state test questions, like the regions questions. Uh, I do it for every do now, every exit ticket. Um, 
you know, on every worksheet, I always, always work in a few of those really hard questions, like the critical thinking questions. And I always try to try to make them work with that a lot. The more they're familiar with it, the easier the test is going to be one on one. Uh, and for the other, it's just a, it's just a, a deeper understanding they're going to have. Real quick, though, that's uh, probably the last thing we're going to do real quick. How is New York schools different from Maryland? From like, how is the schools different? Because, you know, I, I did on the last one, I was talking about how Ohio schools are so much different. Um, how are like Maryland schools different from New York? So I feel like in New York, it's so much kid gloves. Like, yeah, 100%. It's, I feel the same thing. It's, it's too much coddling. Like, kids do outlandishly crazy things. Like, kids bring weapons to school all the time, and it doesn't go into ORS report. You know, people do stuff that they should get suspended for, but because they're just so scared of different things. They just like everything has to be handled with a kid glove. If a kid gets labeled as emotionally disturbed, like I've I've had instances where students have straight up uh, a story. The kid took a teacher's wig to play keep away. Now they had the basketball in your class. <laughs> they took a teacher's wig off her head and they were throwing around the class playing keep away. I had to come out of my classroom, go into the classroom to get the wig. That's insane. Like I remember, but, like uh, at, at the school, you know, we're not going to mention the school we used to work at, and we're only not going to mention it because every story we'd say would be so negative it'd be slander. And I just want to avoid that on the podcast. But the school we used to work at, they threw tampons with ketchup on them at a teacher when she was playing the violin. All right, and I and they got student of the week the next week. Some of those kids did. Um, and you mentioned like you know, get away with bringing knives to school. When I was in grad school, they were talking about, um, this is just a discussion we had during class one time. And I guess some teachers were trying to argue that students, like how they collect kids' phones, they should collect their knives. And the kids should be able to bring a knife with them, have their knife collected. Because when they're on the street, they might get mugged on the way home or they might need the knife for protection. And these, these are the most liberal people you can think of. They're the same people that are against you having a gun to protect your house, but they're not against some kid bringing a knife to a school. It's just, it's, it's the whole thing is crazy. I'm trying not to get political because you know I'm the most. Yeah, I know they could go to a whole another, <laughs> whole another hour yeah, too. Yeah, like uh, in Ohio, man. I remember getting in trouble when I was a kid, and it was, it was like uh, the first, your first offense was like a detention, after school detention for three hours, uh, and your second offense was Saturday school. You had to come in Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and you didn't get home good to go home till 10 you know and then your third offense you get suspended and it was like a three-day suspension then it was a whole week and then it just it kept escalating after that eventually you get expelled from school and i remember i never got expelled but i would get to saturday school i remember being at saturday school and it was snowing outside and they just were like keep your coat on they gave us trash bags and they gave us sticks with like I used to go out and pick up the trash. I'm going to go out and pick up trash in the snow. First off, you can't even see the trash. You're just digging through snow. And he was <laughs> like, you can come back in when your bag's full. And we're out in the cold, man, freezing the whole time. I see a group of my friends coming up. I'm like, oh, you guys got Saturday school? They're like, no. I'm like, what are you doing here? They're like, dude, we're here to take the SATs. What are you doing? <laughs> and that's when I, like, I realized like, I'm messing up my life. Like, they're, they're getting ready to go to college. You know, obviously, I ended up going to school, too. But it was like... Uh, yeah, they, they don't even have, like, that's what people don't understand. When I became a teacher, I thought I could just give out detentions. Like, 
and, and stuff like that. That's what I thought we could do. And then you get to New York City. No, you can't do that. You can't just give detention. No, you can you can call the parents, but like all you can do is call the parents. Yeah, you call the parents. Did you call the parents? Call the parents. In matter of fact, like trying to write a kid up. Yeah, like <laughs> trying to write a kid up in New York is like you need so much documentation. Like, oh, that kid just put somebody in the face. Well, had there been instances before? Well, why did you call the parent before? <laughs> like, and, and let me tell you the other craziest thing. How they do their grading system. The lowest yeah. grade, they don't allow you to give kids lower than a 55. Like, yeah. but a 55 is lower than that. Like, <laughs> and that's the issue because when you average a 55 and then try to make it into a passing grade, which is a D, a 65, which is crazy, like, it's much easier to do for, you know, at a 55 versus where they really had 12. Like, in Maryland, yeah. it's on a four point scale. So if you get a D is one point, C2, B3, A4. And you know the B plus and B minuses will vary between that. But if you get an F, that's a zero. Yeah. So you have to put in the work. You feel me? A, a zero and an A, when you average them together, is a two, is a C. But you can't keep getting zeros because it'll hit a point where your A's won't matter. So 100%. it's just it's like I just feel like it's so they baby kids and New York is a tough place to be. Like I grew up in, you know, kind of a hood neighborhood, but New York is also has hoods. With the demographic that you and I teach to, you feel me? They it, the world is not going to be kind to handle with kid gloves, but you send them into the world and you tell them the things like, oh, you'll get five million chances, and also that. Uh, Everything's just going to be given to you because. And that's the point, though. That's the point. 100% the point. Like, the point is, so, yeah, you, you can only give them the 55 so it'll average so that when they get a 55 now, if they get a 70 next time, they'll still average out to a D and they'll be fine. And that's that's insane because the reason that they act as crazy as they do, stealing wigs, throwing balls in class, showing up shirtless with sunglasses, all this showing up with two or three sandwiches, but never their homework. You know, uh, there was a kid who used to chug a two liter first period. It's like Wednesday. You know, you did that Monday and Tuesday. You're going to die. Like, you can't drink that much soda every day. You can't tell me what to do, mister. I just chugs it. <laughs> I don't know why I'm in French, but it was just, you know, it would do that every day, man. These kids, the reason they act all crazy, they, they, they're cursing, flipping out on you, you know, ditching class mad disrespectful throwing wigs they would never grab someone's wig on the street and start throwing it back and forth because they know you know what i'm saying they know their mom would would tear the behind up for doing that right or the son but, or friend of that person would be looking for them on the street the next day 100 percent. people on the street aren't going to do that but teachers have to that's the point about being a teacher kids know they can get away with murder. The stuff I did to my teachers, I would never try to pull with my mom. You know, I, 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 every kid knows they can they can completely ridicule this person. They can destroy them. They can rip them up. And if the person does anything back, they'll be, you know, you'll lose your license, lose your job, lose your career. Your, your whole time at college means nothing now. You're fired. It's over. You, you discontinued. Disc I, I know teachers have got discontinued. 
It's so crazy. You can never work anywhere else because you have one problem with one principle. The whole thing, the whole observation process, which I might do the next podcast on observations. I'm trying to get you, Perez, a couple, Jacobs, everybody. But it's like, because uh, I know everyone has some crazy observation stories. If people knew how teachers got observa- got observed um, and how their observations were going, they would just be like, this is insane. The whole process is crazy. But yeah, yeah. man. Um, any last words you want to say, man? Because we're going to wrap, wrap it up real quick. I mean, just, I mean, again, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I just say as being a teacher, being a coach, being a student, being an athlete myself, you know, I've taken a lot of things that I've learned good and bad and turned them into something positive. And I hope that the youth can do the same thing because they're facing a lot of adversity. And I hope they can just find a way to turn that adversity into something good. What was your favorite sport to coach? My favorite sport, football. Football, I was going to say, I knew it was going to be football. Football was the most fun because there's so many of us, man. That was, uh, that was awesome. That really was probably my favorite, too. That or, I mean, baseball's up there, too. The first first year of baseball was awesome. Second year of baseball was hilarious just because I started that team by myself. They had no equipment. We had to share the helmet with uh, softball. The whole thing was crazy. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, football was just it was the most fun, though. The kids, those kids were probably some of the best kids I've ever met, best group of kids. Um, you know, I, I wish our record was better, but it was just the most, the, the best experience I've ever had. So, I mean, thanks I again, was, man. In all honesty, I think it was the people that were around, like, hey, you were the first person Coaches. I coached with. Like, yeah. listen, like, he, like, being in all honesty, like, baseball is up there with me because I coached with you. Wrestling, I coached with you. Football, you. we did a lot of things together, and the way you are, you're so supportive. Like you taught me so much. Like you know, you came in a year before me, and I feel like you're a great support system. Like I said, you're a brother to me. You know, I'm the godfather of your child. You know, hey. I I, li- I really love you, and I say that I mean that like we're family. Yeah. You know, I- and I know you know when they the funny I'm say this real quick though the funniest thing about, about the football story was like. I knew I was having a baby. I needed to make extra money, and they needed a football coach. And I was like, I'll do it. And I was the assist. I was the, the JV coach, but I was really the assistant coach because we didn't have enough kids on JV teams. So we just put JV. We merged our JV team with the varsity team. And um, I remember, like, two weeks into coaching, they were like starting to realize that like, this guy has no idea what the hell he's doing. <laughs> so I was like, Can I have an assistant coach? They said, Yeah, yeah. I mean, your budget. You know, it'll come out of yours a little bit, but that you have enough budget for it. Football has the most money. So I was like, yeah, I got a guy who, like, played, you know, semi-pro football, you know, uh, college football, high school football, all the way down to Pee Wee. And they're like, all right, yeah, yeah, bring him in. And it was you. I called you. You showed up, you know, a week later, and everything was awesome. And I know that you were probably thinking I was going to bring up the AED story. We're going to say that for the next time. <laughs> <laughs> But all right, man, it's good to have you. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You Peace. too. Peace.